Hello, everybody. Okay, before I get into the main episode, I want to get take care of some quick housekeeping here. Uh, first of all, there was no episode last week. That's because there were some technical difficulties involving wind noise. I was recording outside, and... I, yeah, eventually I moved moved inside for like the la- for the later part of the episode. But by then, like, it would have been awkward to cut out that first whole chunk, and then have to do a housekeeping where I'm, where I'm explaining what I talked about, which would have been just kind of stupid. So I decided not to rec- not to upload last week. Okay. Um. It- what else? Uh, so you'll notice there's a new theme song now. And that was AI generated by Ava.com, where it'll create a completely new original composition for, for whatever your needs are. And I think it sounds pretty cool. I, yeah. More or less what I wanted for a sound, you know. But a really cool idea. So, without further ado, I bring to you Point Counterpoint. Welcome to Point Counterpoint, the only podcast that you actually enjoy listening to now, because COVID-19 is not the only thing I talk about. (laughs) Seriously, though, I'm getting sick of it, you know? Like, the podcast I normally listen to, it's like, I can't even listen to them now, because they're all talking about the same thing. Like what? But you know, that's just the way it is. It's the way it is. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So I'm just gonna brush up on some stuff that I talked about a little bit last week, but there were some technical difficulties, so I couldn't upload that. Um, but anyway, one thing I talked about last week was Elon Musk had a baby, 
with the singer Grimes. Or is it Grimms? I'm not actually sure. I think it's Grimes. I think that's what I heard before. And uh, I was talking about it earlier. Uh, the name is... It's spelled X space AE space A12. And it's pronounced X Ash Archangel because the X stands for the unknown variable. The AE, uh, it's pronounced, uh, it's also, it can also be, it's also for uh, AI or, it means AI or love in different languages, such as Japanese. And the 12 is the plane that preceded the uh, SR-71 Blackbird, which is, in the, the Blackbirds, there is Elon's favorite plane. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. No. What else? Oh, yeah. I was going to. Another thing I wanted to mention was. Uh, that I talked about last week was something called the Anthropic Principle. Right? And what that is is it's the philosophical consideration I'm, re I'm reading right now that any data we collect about the universe is filtered by the fact that in order for it to be observable in the first place it must be compatible with the conscious and sapient life that observes it. Proponents of the anthropic principle reason that it explains why this universe has the age and fundamental physics, physical constants necessary to accommodate conscious life. As a result, outside the narrow range thought to be compatible with life, it would seem impossible that life, in particular intelligent life, could develop. The strong anthropic principle, SAP, as explained by John D. Barrow and Frank Tipler, states that this is all the case. This is all the case. Because the universe is in some sense compelled to eventually have conscious and sapient life emerge within it. Some critics of the SAP argued in favor of a weak anthropic principle, WAP, similar to the one divined by Brandon Carter, which states that the universe's ostensible fine-tuning is the result of selection bias, selectively survivorship bias, or uh, only in a universe capable of eventually supporting life will there be living beings capable of observing and reflecting on the matter. Most often such ar arguments draw upon some notion of the multiverse. For there to be a statistical population of universes to select from and from which selection bias our observance of only this universe compatible with our life could occur. Those things are interesting to read about. But it's interesting to think that the universe almost has to, well, does it? That we almost have to exist is kind of a, it's not really another way of saying it. It's more like kind of adding to it. Like we, we don't have to exist, but if we didn't exist, then in some sense the existence of the universe doesn't really matter. 
considering that there's no intelligent life in it at all. It's like it goes, it exists, and it, it's unable to see itself. It can't, because we, we as conscious, intelligent beings, are able to. Uh, we are the universe. We're not just part of. We're not just in it. We're we're part of the universe, and we're able to observe the universe. So we are the universe's way of knowing itself. When the universe doesn't have intelligent beings, it's unable to know itself, and therefore it doesn't truly exist. So you could argue that around the time of the Big Bang, it existed, but it didn't exist. I don't know, maybe it's, I'm not, I'm obviously not an expert on this topic, but I would compare it to Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Since we are inevitable. <laughs> I am inevitable. <laughs> um, another thing I want to mention. Um, actually... Getting back to the Elon Musk thing, um, so he appeared on the Joe Rogan Experience for the second time, and he was talking about Neuralink, that's one of his companies, which is working on putting a computer implant into people's brains, and there's a number of different benefits that could come of this. The more obvious one that's we're gonna see more in the short term is um, when when Neuralink is starting to help people with different neurological conditions. Like I've even seen that possibly it could solve things as serious as blindness. And we already have versions of it that'll help things like Parkinson's and stuff like that. But theoretically, it could solve any problem with the brain. Another problem that it could solve, uh, and it's, this is a little more theoretical, but the problem of exponential growth and in intelligence of artificial of AI, artificial intelligence. Because of course, as I've talked about before, and I've I discussed this with Scott Christensen on the show a while back, it's inevitable that AI will exponentially grow, and along with the many benefits of AI, there will be problems of it overtaking us, and I'm not talking about a Terminator-style thing. That's a long way in the future. I'm talking more, if you will, lowercase AI. And it starts replacing 
many different jobs. And we're already seeing that. That's one, that's one of the main things on Andrew Yang's platform. That's one of his reasons for universal basic income, which I don't really want to discuss right now because I've already discussed that in the past. But um, anyway, we already live in symbiosis with artificial intelligence. And so putting this neural implant into your brain is not really something new. It's, it makes the connection more direct to us. puts it right into our brains but you know we're already living in symbiosis with our phones if you have a virtual assistant like Alexa or Google Home that's AI that's I mean, it's a relatively simple AI like it doesn't have consciousness or anything but it relies on neural nets you know rather similar way to the way the brain works it uses neural nets to connect different stimuli to different outcomes. So like you, you say, Alexa, play Uptown Funk. And she plays it. But yeah, but we're, the brain is already, the phone is already an extension of our brains, really. Like it, it lights up, we look down, and we text someone back. We, we're, we're already connected to people with this little thing that's usually never more than 10 feet away from us. Less than that, five feet away from us, usually. We're connected to every other brain on the planet that has internet access. So, Neuralink is just, it's kind of streamlining this, to put it simply. Alright, next topic. Um, this is kind of a funny little thing I've noticed. It seems like every presidential candidate has, like, has their own podcast now. Like Tulsi Gabbard has a podcast. Andrew Yang has a podcast. Joe Biden has a podcast. And if they haven't made one, then they've certainly then they've very likely appeared on one. Mark Whitney has a part podcast. I believe Vermin Supreme has appeared. Bernie Sanders has appeared. Apparently Elizabeth Warren considered going on Joe Rogan's podcast. Pete Buttigieg considered going on Dave Rubin's podcast. It's only a matter of time for Donald Trump gets a podcast. That'd be interesting. <laughs> well, that'd be funny. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
That would be funny. <laughs> oh dear. What else is going on? Um, <laughs> so yesterday, Governor Tim Waltz ha came out with a message about the future of lockdown. And so on May 18th, Minnesota is going to transition away from, is it going to go, go away from the stay-at-home order to the stay-safe order, where they're now going to open up non-essential businesses and you're allowed to gather in groups of no more than 10 people as long as you're socially distanced. I mean, obviously it has to come at some point, right? Say so we can't... We can't do it forever. I don't, I don't know when the proper time to do this was. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe we should have done it earlier, maybe we should do it later, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to get into that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I have the answers. Why should I? But anyway, I'd like to also make a little clarification that I feel a lot of people don't get. You heard it said, stay inside, save lives. Well, you've also heard stay home, safe lives. The second, the latter is what you should follow. Don't stay inside. That's not actually, that's actually a bad idea. That's where you are more likely to catch something. Just go outside, man. This is the perfect time to go outside. There's never been a better time. Like, you're way less likely to catch something outside than inside. So if anybody says stay inside, they're stupid, okay? It's just stupid. Stupid advice. Go outside. Now, socially distance outside as well you as well as inside. Just be safe. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Moving on to the next topic related to coronavirus. <laughs> this is something I heard on Britt Weinstein's podcast. He's a biologist, in case you don't know him. And he was talking about how one thing that many people don't understand is about the seasonality of viruses. And the important thing to remember is that one, one thing that people have been talking about is that it's possible that, that the coronavirus will become seasonal like the flu. But we don't know that that will be the case. Because this virus didn't necessarily evolve along with our own annual schedules. Because, of course, we tend to socially distance more during certain times of year. And if it just so happens that this virus happens to become more active at a time of year when we are generally not as close together, like... In the, such as in the such as in the winter or whatnot. Or actually, no. Maybe it's maybe it's more likely to spread in the winter since we're all cooped up inside. It depends on your location. It all depends on the location. 
So I'm not gonna say winter or summer or anything. But if it happens to evolve so as that it's more active during times when we're when we're not social distancing as much, then what'll happen is it'll get onto all these different surfaces, but it'll just eventually just die there. Because there's less contact going on, and eventually it'll just die out during that time, and it'll slowly just taper off. Because viruses have a half-life, and so it's, it's it can survive on cardboard, as the as the research has shown for up to 48 hours, and you're more. If you touch that cardboard, you're most likely to contract something with if you touch it within the first five minutes of it being touched by someone else. If it, if there are virus particles on there, you're more likely to get it within the first five minutes of those virus particles appearing on the cardboard. Say it's from the mailman, or it, maybe it, maybe it's in a store that you are buying it. I don't know, but 24 hours after, you're much less likely pick up that virus. Okay. 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 Now it's time to tell a little story that I've been wanting to tell you. Actually, in the last episode, but I can't show you that episode because it's ruined. There once was a was a girl, beautiful girl, and she had a few siblings, and she was a princess. Her father was the king, and her mother, the queen, died. And at the funeral, this witch showed up. She put a hex on the king to make him be reminded of his wife when he saw her. So the king eventually mar married this queen, and she became the new stepmother. And this king, he loved his children, so uh, he had this little cottage out in the woods for them where they could go out there and have a ball, you know. Um, and the only way you could come to this cottage was if you used a certain magical ball of twine that you roll out on the ground and it'll roll itself, unroll itself, unravel itself, and it'll go in the direction of the cottage and then you'll find it. And only the father and the children had ever been there before. One day, When the children were out there and the king and the witch were back at the castle, the witch stole the twine and went out to the cottage. And she she went and uh, she saw three of the children there and uh, she put a spell on them and turned them into ravens. And the father had been, noticed that she was gone. He went to go try to find her and he went 
grabbed the ball of twine and tried to go to the house, but it didn't work because it wasn't the magical ball of twine, it was just a ball of regular string. So the ravens that were that were the children flew away. And the daughter that I was talking about before she came she ran to the house and she saw what had happened and she the witch was surprised that she had missed this one girl and the girl ran off to go find her siblings and the witch ran away to go back to the king and the king believed that his children had died Meanwhile, the girl had been going through the forest and she found a group of ravens there. And she was told of one way that she was able to convert her, her siblings, her brothers, I believe they're all brothers, they're all boys, back into their human selves. And what she had to do was remain completely silent. She could not speak at all for three years, three months, three weeks, and three days, and three hours if you wish, but that wasn't part of the story. But if you want, you can see it through. It just makes it more complicated. And she, she vowed to be completely silent and as she was sitting there with her raven friends it had been a couple weeks you know um, a, a prince was walking through the forest and he saw the girl and he, he thought she was quite beautiful you know as you as you do and he started to you know flirt with her and she couldn't flirt back but you know she body body language is quite strong you know, you can motion with your hands and you can use facial expressions. And it's quite clear that she liked him and quite clear he liked her, you know, and that they kissed, you know, and uh, he offered to take her back to the castle where he lived, where he, where his father, the king, lived. It's a different king, obviously. He went back there and, um, when they got there, she saw the king stand there with his wife, and the wife was her old stepmother, this witch. So it turns out that she has a habit of going to trick kings. And she wanted to warn her, her boyfriend, the prince, about this, but she couldn't because she can't speak. So they went inside and uh, eventually they get married. And uh, Queen's still still there, the, the witch, and the girl. She has a baby. She somehow did that without having making any noise. And one day she was holding her baby next to the window in her bed chamber, in her bed chamber, and. She fell asleep, and when she woke up, the baby was completely gone. It just turned into dust. She was hurt. She was shocked, heartbroken, 
and she knew that it was the witch that did this, but she couldn't tell anybody. Eventually she fell pregnant again, she had another baby, and again, when she wasn't looking, she fell asleep. The baby disappeared, it was turned into a pig, and she was unable to do anything. Now, the witch started planting some doubt into the prince's head that, and the king, that she had been secretly killing her own children. As you know, there occasionally something flips in a woman's head sometimes, um, and they'll kill their children. It's pretty awful. But that wasn't the case here, obviously, and the prince didn't really believe it, you know. He, he thought it was just speculation and the witch and this woman was just wrong. But her next baby, this time she said, I'm not going to keep my eye, take my eye off this child at all. She swore to keep her eyes open and not fall asleep. But alas, the baby disappeared again, I believe, and maybe it happened one more time. No, for the fourth baby, after the, after this, after the third baby disappeared, and the next baby almost did, the king suspected her of being a witch, this princess, and sentenced her to be burned. At the stake, which appalled her, and she still can't make any noise. So on the day that she was to be burned, remember it had been three, it had already been three years, three months, three weeks, and almost three days. She she's about to be burned. And as the witch was going out to where she was going to be burned, suddenly a group of ravens flew in and started attacking this witch. This ended up buying time. And the witch eventually couldn't see anything and... Uh, she tripped and fell into the fire and died. Her spell was broken. And now it had been the third day. It's been three years, three months, three weeks, and three days. And the ravens magically turned back into humans. And the princess's children reappeared. And they lived happily ever after. Now, if you want to see the story and more, you can check out the Jim Henson's Storyteller. Jim Henson's Storyteller. And um, the first one stars John Hurt, who's a fantastic storyteller. Absolutely fantastic. And... 
that's more, that's more European stories. And then the next series is Michael Gambon, who plays Dumbledore, and he does more Greek stories, which are also very good. But they're... Oh, it's just wonderful. Oh, they're lovely. Yes, so lovely, I say. But truly, you should definitely check it out. For sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was fun. Let's see, what else do I have to say? Um, in two days, my latest EP, uh, Fond Memories and Fair Maidens, comes out anywhere you get your music, you know, Spotify, Amazon, it's even going to be on TikTok. Wink, wink. So you might see me dancing to one of my own songs on there, which will be fun. But yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend it. I'll, I'll also put the link to the Bandcamp version in, in the description here, in case you're watching this before that comes out. But yeah, Amazon, Spotify, all those places, Pandora, I believe. Um, I don't have a list right with me where it's available. It's going to be awesome. Amazing stuff. Okay. Fantastic. Fanta it's just fantastic. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. What else? What is it? I think that should about do her, really. That's most of what I have to say, really. Yeah, it's been lit, fam. Namaste.